Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And we are excited today to be talking about love. And love is what makes the world go around. Today we are engaging with us Greg and Julie Gorman. And they have written some books about marriage. Also their website is marriedforapurpose.com. We're going to be talking about Married for a Purpose, Love in Action today. And during the next hour, you're going to discover some insights and hands-on resources to help you discover and step into God's specific purpose for your marriage, how to shift in mindset from changing your spouse to celebrating and dreaming together to fulfill God's destiny for your marriage. Also, some benefits of working together and seizing opportunities to build one another up, a new way of living purpose-focused instead of problem-focused, how to invite the limitless power of God to accomplish in your marriage what you could never accomplish without him, and also how to find a significance and fulfillment in marriage by living out God's design for your marriage. Greg and Julie Gorman are entrepreneurs, certified life coaches, owners of small businesses, and parents of three teens and young adults. When first married, struggles of everyday life and busyness divided them. Over time, God taught them the powerful truth that problems divide, but purpose unites. And they now pursue and seize purpose-focused marriages for themselves and others. Their website, again, is marriedforapurpose.com. Welcome, Greg and Julie. Hey, it's such a pleasure to be here with you, Marnie. We're super excited. Thanks for having us. Well, great to have you. I can so relate to you guys because we've owned restaurants and uh, a retail store and businesses together, and life gets so incredibly busy, and you can sometimes kind of just lose <laughs> lose your way as a couple. <laughs> so, um, where where was it that where was it that you guys realized there's got to be more to this marriage thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We uh, I love that question just because it's a good honest question, right? It's like when in the world is I think there was a time when we kind of looked at each other and thought, really, God's got a purpose for this? Are you kidding me? Mm, yeah. <laughs> the early days of our marriage was so dicey, and uh, what mm. we found is that we spent a lot of time uh, really focusing on all of our shortcomings. Not only you know me focusing on Julie's shortcomings. Uh, but Julie focusing on my shortcomings and then us together focusing on our shortcomings as a couple. And we just realized that there was um, a little bit different idea that God in, had in mind for us. Um, I think that it's it's good for all of us to be reminded from time to time that, that God takes pleasure when we have joy. And he certainly takes pleasure um, when we as a couple have joy together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you know we realized is that a lot of times in our society, even well-intending people, right, uh, when people go to get counseling, they tend to be focusing on an issue or a problem. And what we realized, Marty, is the more that we concentrated on our issues or our problems, the bigger they became. It's kind of like mm-hmm. when David stood before Goliath. Right, Goliath was big, mean, and ugly. There's no question about that. But the difference that David had over all of the other Israelite uh, army was that he stopped focusing on Goliath's size and remembered God's size. And that's where, for Greg and I, Mm -hmm. when we began to welcome God's purpose in our marriage instead of focusing on all of our issues or our problems, man, life took place. Really did. Hmm. That's, that's really beautiful. And I agree with you that a lot of times we do get all hung up on the issues, the, you know, this little difference of opinion or this challenge that we have instead of going down to the deeper level of, of the foundation 
um, where our hope and where our joy comes from in, in the marriage. Yeah, I love that. You guys have come today prepared to share some insights and hands-on resources that can help us discover and step into God's specific purpose for our marriage, no matter if it's at the beginning, if it's been through the war, you know. <laughs> the right. Oh, go, go ahead and go ahead and share some of those. One of the best things that any couple can truly ask themselves is what is it that we really want? Uh, I think that we get lost um, sometimes in, you know, what is God's purpose for us? And it, that can be really overwhelming. But when we just stop and pause long enough, and again, under God's authority, of course, God's not going to tell us to do something that's contrary to his word. He's never going to call us to contradict his character. But as we have those things in place, one of the best questions that a couple can begin to ask is, what is it that we want? What What is our desired outcome? And if we stop and pause on that singular question and really get to the root of what we desire that we share in common, that's when we have life and that's when we have the ability to pull in the same direction. Absolutely. Mm. And you know, as Julie iterated there, Marnie, one of the things that, um, quite honestly, even we struggled with as we started contemplating this idea, you know, um, God probably had something bigger in mind uh, when we came together other than the fact that I just thought she was hot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, as we dug into Scripture and really began to um, – Think and ask God and welcome him to speak into our lives. And, and, you know, why in the world are we together anyway? You know, what really uh, – God is a purposeful God. Uh, we know that, but sometimes I think at least I have been guilty of, of discounting that for, for – dis- certainly during uh, – for, for certain segments of my life. So as we really prayed into that and, and looked at Scripture, we came with, with three things that may be helpful for uh, the listeners to consider because – you know, again, as we think about purpose, uh, it can be really intimidating. It's like, wow, I don't want to mess that one up, you know. Uh, it seems so big, and I think a lot of times um, we even just avoid tackling that question anyway. So once we ask ourselves what is it that we really want, which is usually buried underneath of a lot of obligations, you know, the first answers will be things that we think we should want or we've been told that that we should want together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll try to over-spiritualize it. But there are three things beyond that that we've found are applicable to every single marriage as it applies to purpose. And the first one is just simply to make God known. So um, the purpose for all marriages, all Christian marriages for sure, are to simply make God known. And the very best opportunity for us to do that is not necessarily out in the public eye, which is usually where we think first, right? Mm -hmm. But the best opportunity for us to make God known is within the four walls of our own house. I mean, think of it. If we just wake up every day and think, how can I make God known to my wife or to my kids, to my spouse today, um, then I bet. In fact, I'm living testimony that it'll change our actions throughout the day. So that's the first one. The second one, to bring God pleasure. And there again, if we if we if we specifically focus on leveraging our marriage relationship to bring God pleasure, how can my marriage bring God pleasure? Well, when we honor one another, um, when we serve one another. Uh, when we enjoy one another rather than picking one another apart, that brings God pleasure. So I could go on and on with that, but lest I preach, and preach a message, um, let me just say the last one here real quick, and that's to demonstrate God's unconditional love. And here again, when we think about marriage, and this may be my favorite. I love all three of them, but we really like this one because um, one of the very purposes that God created marriage to begin with is for us to be an earthly example of God's unconditional love. And Lord knows we have plenty of opportunity to demonstrate it or not (laughs) inside of our marriage relationship because we get to see each other in our A game and our, well, not so much A game, right? And so to be able to demonstrate and be an earthly demonstration of God's unconditional love, 
Um, what a great purpose for us all to, 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 you know, realistically begin to live out on a day-to-day basis in our marriage and with our marriage relationship. Hmm, that's so beautiful. I liked when you started talking about it, you know, what do, what do we really want and um, what do we really want that we share in common and that we couldn't do apart? You know, those are, <laughs> that's like, you know, two bookends <laughs> to hold it together, kind of the, the thing um, that God is calling us to do in our marriages. That's so beautiful. Julie, do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, one of the things that I really realized is is Greg and I are certainly night and day different from one another uh, when it comes to parenting, for example. So let's just get real, real, uh, real practical. Uh, If we aren't careful, the things, like I am a constant encourager, Marnie. I am going to encourage you to death. I'm going to speak life over you almost to a detriment where I'm just going to praise you and sometimes maybe I'm a little overestimating my praise, (laughs) where Greg is a person of excellence, and he draws out the very best by demanding uh, performance and and the best of the best from you. So sometimes our encouragement and our excellence can conflict with one another. So for us, for example, in parenting, we have to stop, and rather than think, well, you're too hard, or uh, maybe Greg's saying you're too soft, and begin to compete or compare with one another or try to change one another, we begin to say, okay, what is it that we both desire? And, and sometimes we have to go for a long time until we come to a place where we really know exactly what we desire. And for us, for our kids, We know that God has called us to steward them. We agree on that. We know that God has called us to prepare them to be successful in the world, to uh, have them have an intimate relationship with Christ. And what we realize is we need both encouragement and excellence. So we start with that higher vision just in in the aspect of parenting. So this is just one segment of our life, one segment of our marriage. And what we desire are kids who love God. We desire to be parents that draw out their best and prepare them to be successful. And as we start with that, what we've learned to do is to parent from that paradigm where we are uh, encouraging one another to speak words of encouragement, where we're encouraging one another to speak words of excellence. And so that's just, you know, uh, for us, rather than getting, well, you were too hard here or you're telling him he has to take the trash out again or or to start nitpicking with one another about what we're not doing, we start from the same paradigm of what we do desire and then we work backwards from there. Well, what do we need to do or what do we do to have have kids that love God and are successful in this world? Mm, Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I know know there's probably somebody listening, well, what if we don't ever agree on anything? You know? (laughs) What if if we really don't want the same things? (laughs) Then what? Um, You know, we're going to kind of address that as we keep going through the hour here. But, but the reality is that if we are if we are partnering with God to begin with, you know, one of the things I I love to remind God, as I'm reminding myself, is that He's fighting for my marriage because I am married to David Swedberg. That means that God is fighting for my marriage. Because he says, what God puts together, let no man put asunder. So right. um, I know that no matter how hard things can get between us, but maybe communication or whatever it is, I know that God is fighting for my marriage. And so when we come back and apply that here to what do we really want, what we really want if we're walking with God is God's will to be done. We know that at the rock bottom basic level, that's really what we're desiring. you know. And then the rest is just logistics, right? <laughs> Right. Being able to come down and verbalize what can we agree together upon that God is calling us to do. Well, in marriage, of course, there are things that drive us crazy about the other person. And you guys speak to that in shifting mindset. So talk about that for a little bit. Well, I think, you know, as as we've gone through the years, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, the thing about marriage is is that if you're looking for an opportunity to uh, tear the other person down or to belittle them or to point out their flaws, um, you're probably going to have plenty of opportunity because, you know, um, we 
get to see each other at our best and at our worst. And, um, you know, the reality is is that the busyness of life and all the demands of life, and if you have children, then there's that too, and there's finances, and there's always something that needs to be done. And if we're not careful, we can just get in a mindset of what old Zig Ziglar used to call stinking thinking, right? And um, we've just found that, that all thought leaders throughout time have agreed on one principle, uh, uh, they, they've stated it in different ways. Uh, King Solomon said that, that, that as we think in our hearts, so are we. Uh, others have said, you know, you, what you think about, you bring about. Um, where your uh, focus glow, uh, goes, your energy flows, right? Uh, uh, what you, you know, another way of saying it is, is you reap what you sow. What you plant, you're going to reap from. And so the bottom line is, is and, and the way we like to say it actually, is you gravitate towards that which you contemplate. And so if all of those different ways of really saying the same thing are true, then it's really important that we focus our attention and harness our thoughts around those things that we want more of, the things that we want to find more of. Uh, any, uh, any person can find something to tear somebody down about, but, you know, the bottom line is, is that's not very big of us. Um, and it's honestly, it's not very practical when we really think about it, although I think it's um, somewhat in our nature. And so what we found really beneficial in our relationship and quite candidly in our life in every segment is to ask ourselves again, starting with that question that Julie mentioned earlier, what do we really want? What do I want to find more of in Julie? You know, what do I want to celebrate? And you know what? It's just as easy and maybe even easier for me to find things that I want to celebrate, that I want to cultivate in her, that I want to speak over her, um, speaking life over someone gives life to me. And when we do that inside of our, our relationship, then it breathes life in our relationship and the other person reciprocates. And we really begin to live on that higher plane that God's really calling us to, and there's a lot more joy there than tearing each other down. And you said something earlier I'd just like to come back to. Do I have time? Mm-hmm, you do. Okay. Um, you mentioned, you know, there's probably somebody that's saying, gosh, what if we don't agree? And I just want to encourage the person who's thinking that there is always common ground to build off of, always common ground to build off of. We may have to take it from a, from a, a micro view to a 5,000, 10,000, you know, up to 30. Sometimes we've had to go to beyond 50 and on to a 100,000-foot view before we found <laughs> something that we agreed on, a principle on a higher level. But once we do find that, then we can begin to build on that common ground um, to, 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 to build an idea and a plan on how we can actually achieve what it is that we want to achieve together. Mm, beautiful. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Greg and Julie Gorman of MarriedForAPurpose.com. We're going to take a short break and come right back, talk about some benefits of working together and seizing opportunities to build one another up. We'll be right back. Next time you need an awesome speaker for your Christian Women's event, visit womenspeakers.com, the number one online meeting place for women's ministry event planners and Christian women speakers, featuring nearly 1,000 speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Womenspeakers.com has been connecting speakers and event planners since 2002 and is the largest online directory of its kind in the world. Listings include topic ideas, references, and contact information so you can reach out to the speaker of your choice the moment you find her. It's fun and free to search. There are no middlemen or hidden fees and it's available to you night and day so you can find your next speaker in the minutes you have. Next time you need a great speaker, visit womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. It's great to have you with us this afternoon for Married for a Purpose, Love in Action here on Marty's Friends. Our guests today are Greg and Julie Gorman of marriedforapurpose.com. We were talking about, right before break, we were talking about shifting our mindset and, and uh, getting off of the desire to change our spouse in order to make our lives simpler, to celebrating and dreaming together, to, to fulfill God's destiny for marriages. Um, Julie, why don't you go ahead and step in here and speak to this for a moment? So I love the question. I think this was a huge area of opportunity for me, Marnie. 
Um, you know, what once caught my intrigues about Greg uh, began to become an irritation. And then I thought it was my job to change him. And so um, I don't, I'm not sure what happened between the dating aspect and marriage aspect, but I, I think it's something that happens frequently in marriages is we forget to date our spouse. And if you think about dating your spouse, coming back to that time of intrigue, that time of discovery, if we can bring that into our daily practice in marriage, man, we're going to begin to celebrate again. So one of the things that God challenged me with was to quit trying to change Greg and allow God to change me, to extend to Greg the same love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that God had extended to me. And so I had to make a shift, and the way that I made the shift back from trying to change him to celebrate him is I tried to date him again. I tried to find all of those little things that we shared in common. I tried to find all the things that I loved about him instead of all of the things that were lacking. And again, as Greg shared earlier, we gravitate towards what we contemplate, and what I realized is the more that I contemplated on how great of a daddy he was, the more that I celebrated how he swung for the fence, right? He, he's going he's gonna to swing for a home run uh, mm-hmm. where I might celebrate every single base hit. Those are the things that help to make who we are. And the truth is, is as I did that, I realized I needed Greg's differences. I needed him to be the person who demanded excellence. I needed him to be the person who would take the risk and take the plunge and, as they say, build his wings on the way down. Because I may have never stepped out to write books. I may have never followed the true passions and desires of my heart. So um, for me, it came in dating. It came in celebrating what I loved about him and not what was lacking. And what was so powerful about that is what used to be a daily discipline. Like it was intentional. I had to find the things that I liked about him. Now, uh, it, it's, it's a rare day that my mind shifts in the opposite direction. Hmm. Well, that's a beautiful Well, that's good news for me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Actually, for all of us. And, you know, and it is, it is a habit. It's a habit either to think negatively about someone or to look for the positive, and that's a habit that we have with everyone in our lives. And obviously, the closer to us that they are, and I think, you know, for me as a wife, too, um, it, there's nobody that has as much effect on me as my husband. Mm, you know, his right. choices, his decisions. You know, my best girlfriends, you know, I can be a lot more laid back with them. <laughs> when, they make it, when they make a decision that's, you know, maybe not one I would have made, you know, you just roll with them and, you know, whatever. And uh, it's a little harder when it's closer to home, isn't it? It really is um, because, again, and I think you've brought up a great point in that, you know, we're a little bit more vested in this particular relationship, you know, and the decisions that each of us make do have an effect on the other. Um, And, again, all the more reason why the principles that we're talking about and that we've written about in in our books are um, such a gift from God. Um, You know, uh, one of the things that, that, that Julie mentioned I'd like to dovetail off of just a little bit, and that is, um, you know, we, we work together 24-7. Um, we have a couple of different businesses, and we write books, and we travel all over the place and, and speak, uh, uh, doing marriage conferences, and we work with businesses and, and things of that nature as well. Um, and, and one of the things that we learned, I think we learned it several years ago, but then the Lord really has spoken to us about it and caused us to master this. Uh, we're still in process on that, um, but we've gotten a whole lot better about instead of instead of um, instead of tearing each other apart, um, we literally celebrate our differences. You know, before and we we talked about it a little bit earlier. Julie was talking about how she wanted to change me. Hey, guess what? I was just as guilty. I wanted to change her too. I want her to think like I think. I, I want her to have some of the same passions and such that I do. And although we share some of those things, um, the great thing about our relationship and any relationship for that matter are the are the areas that we're actually different. 
And uh, if you take a ball team for the guys that are listening, and maybe the gals too, I don't know, but uh, any good team uh, is is not one-dimensional. In other words, uh, you know, if, if everybody was great at throwing the ball, we'd have a terrible football team. You know, somebody's got to be good at, at, at blocking, and somebody's got to be good at catching it and, and, and all of the different aspects of the game. And our marriage in life is no different. And so I'm honestly to a place now where through a lot of discipline of thought, I've learned how to really, truly appreciate and celebrate our differences. Andrew Carnegie said it this way. He said, it marks a big step in your development when you come to realize that other people can help you do a job better then you can do it alone. And if we really think about how to apply that to our marriage, you know, that our differences, I think one of the biggest breakthroughs that we ever had, or certainly that I ever had, was understanding that our differences weren't a matter of one of us being right and the other one being wrong. It's just a matter of of learning how to leverage those differences um, so that we can actually utilize those differences to become better and to be have a more well-rounded household, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, you can do so much more together than you could independently, again, because you don't have all the strengths. You don't have, well, even the time. You know, there's just there's just so many things that you simply couldn't do on your own uh, that you can do as a couple back at our marriage and just be so amazed at what God has done through us both, that simply wouldn't have happened uh, if we weren't together. Right, right. So one of the things that you guys talk about is um, that compare and compete, (laughs) the compare and compete struggle that sometimes we get into as a couple. And it seems to me in observing that um, I, I know some very competitive women, but for the most part, it seems like that's coming through on the guy's side a little bit more strongly than on the gal's side. Um, Julie, what do you think? Oh, well, I can I can speak for our marriage. There are times, I guess, Marnie, that as we are ministering together, people unintentionally actually pin us against one another. Um, mm. So the comparison and competition, I think it's, it's kind of human tendency. I don't know if it's a male-female thing as much as, you know, for females, we may look at one another and think, oh, I wish I had long hair like that, or I wish my eyes were that color, or, man, I wish I had that position. Um, but I, I found that even for Greg and I in our relationship, there are times where I would be – I would. I got to the point where I valued his gifts so much that I started to diminish my own. Mm. I started thinking, wow, I wish I could address the elephant in the room. You know, why do I always have to just practice praise and be the one who's always speaking life? I wish I commanded attention or I wish I I demanded, you know, uh, attention when I walked into a room like Greg just commands a presence. I wish I was as engaging and and the life of the party like him. I'm going to be the one who's just hugging you over in the corner when you're going through a tough time. (laughs) I wish I could, right? And so what happens, I think – Male, female, I'm not sure where that falls, but if we fall into that trap where we begin to either diminish our worth or elevate our worth and think we're superior, mm-hmm. we run into the – that's where that competition comes in, and we impede God's mission. And that's one of the reasons why we spend the first uh, three chapters of Two or Better Than One laying the foundation, because that's where – if we find ourselves in that comparison, if we find ourselves competing, how do we break that habit? And the way we break that habit is to come back to the fundamentals. Anytime something's broken, it's because we've missed a basic in life. And so those three basics, again, are to make God known. Well, if my heart vision and my heart mission is to make God known, then I'm not concerned with who gets the glory in it. I'm not concerned with who gets the attention. My my heart then, I'm not comparing or competing. It's just what part do I have to play because I want to make you known. If my heart's uh, pleasure is to bring God pleasure and I realize that all things are created for him and through him and exist for him, then, again, it, it gets my heart in a posture. If my heart's ambition, again, is to demonstrate unconditional love, 
then I began to realize, oh, you know what? I've kind of gotten nitpicky again. I'm not celebrating. I'm actually trying to change. Or I'm comparing my worth and questioning how, why it's kind of like where God says in Scripture, can the clay say to the potter, why have you made me like this? Instead, it positions my heart in a posture of being able to be a helpmate and not to compete or to compare, but just to celebrate the design and celebrate how God created me to be. You know what, let me let me speak to that just a little bit too from just from a guy's perspective, I suppose. You know what, when you asked that question, there were a couple of different times in my life that came to mind, and, and, and one of them was when I was working for an employer that um, – uh, he's a little bit of a glory hound, you know. He take take credit for what we did, and and uh, just wasn't the easiest person to to work with. And um, I learned something during that season. God really spoke to my heart and um, uh, gave me this principle that my job, my job was to make him look like a superhero. He's the leader, you know. He's the one. He is he is in the appointed seat. And um, and my job as an employee is always to make the employer look as good as I can. And so if he takes glory, that's all good. And so where that applies is um, I can remember a, a particular season in our life where, again, as Julie mentioned, um, we were we were in sales at the time. And uh, if one of us was doing one thing a little better than the other, then folks were like, oh, you know, well, you know, why aren't you doing such and such, right? Um, and 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 as they did that, it would it would spark jealousy in one another. Like I'd find myself being jealous of Julia. I'd be like, well, you know, because I'm doing blah 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 blah, right? <laughs> you know. Um, but again, God leveraged what I learned about uh, um, serving my employer in my relationship. And so today, and there's been you know lots of years of practice here again. And I won't say that we had this down perfect but but I, I think we're about 90 98 to 99 i'll give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and say 98 to 99 of the way there right <laughs> and that is that that really my job marnie is to make her look as good as i possibly can so i have no interest in competing with her what i want is i want her to be the star of the show i want her to be in the limelight i want her to be the one that gets the accolades what kind of husband wouldn't want that for his wife. My opinion, mm. not a very good one. Mm. That's beautiful. Just saying. Yeah. No, that's really beautiful, and it's just a good uh, a good call to call to analysis too. You know, look at what we're doing. Is this actually making my spouse look like a superhero, or what is mm. it doing? to the marriage? What is it doing to my partner? I love that, love that. Well, this is Marty Swedberger having fun this afternoon with Greg and Julie Gorman from MarriedForAPurpose.com. We're going to come right back, talk about a new way of living purpose-focused, not problem-focused, and also how to invite the limitless power of God into your marriage. We'll be right back. What Bible study book are you going to do next? Join us for the online Bible study expo to meet the authors of this year's most recent Bible study books for women. You'll hear the stories behind each book, learn details about the studies, including how many weeks each is, how much study time is required, and things like that. Plus, have the opportunity to win free Bible study book being given away every 20 minutes all afternoon. It's 100% free and online at BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. You're joining us at Marnie's Friends. Happy to have you with us today. We're talking about love in action and married for a purpose. And our guests are Greg and Julie Gorman of marriedforapurpose.com. Guys, thanks for being here and uh, love what you're doing for couples around the country and the world. Thank you. Mm, Thanks so much for having us again. We're having a blast with you. You're great. Good. Good, good. Okay, so let's talk about how to get purpose-focused instead of problem-focused. We've touched on it earlier in the hour, but let's uh, kind of dive down into this one right now because, honestly, um, when we're going through the day and it's really busy and things are just hitting us, uh, we pretty much are problem-focused, and we're just, trying to, we're just trying to make it through, right? So how do, we, how do we step back and actually get a little more um, perspective on things? 
So I love this question because it, it's this is the day in, day out, and at any given moment, we can find ourselves living into our problems instead of living into God's purpose. And what we found, whether in business partnerships, interpersonal friendships, or our marriage relationship, uh, one of the things, the way that we govern our actions with is with this single, simple checkpoint, and that is, do we want to be right or do we want to unite? So do we want to be right? We're going to start demanding our ways. But if we want to unite, we're going to find what we share in common. And what we found, Marty, is the most effective organizations welcome differences. Um, they're assets to the business, not competition. Uh, the best businesses or the, the strongest churches build upon core values, and they move towards a desired outcome rather than meandering around all the details of, of what's wrong or, or what the issue or the problem is. And so the same thing applies to our relationship. If we want a healthy marriage, we need to welcome our differences and stop focusing on the issue. And the best way to do that is to consistently ask one another, what do we both desire? What do we want our desired outcome to look like? Well, I think, you know, going back to that couple that say we don't have anything in common, the truth is, is if we take a higher view, I bet you we can land on something. The truth is, is, is they both want to be happy. The truth is, if they're in a Christian relationship, they both desire for God to be pleased with the relationship. If they have kids, more than likely, they don't want those kids to fail. So if, if they begin with that high level of we both desire to be happy, we both desire for us to build one another up, we both desire to be speaking the same language, right, with one another, we both desire to find something that we share in common. Now, now we have something to work with. And so with that, we start with that this is what we agree on. And then we work from that place of, of okay, if we could truly live into the vision that God desires for our marriage, what does that look like? And we just start dreaming. We don't edit that. We begin to write out everything that we both desire and love and would love for our relationship. That becomes kind of the center post for us to live into. And once we have that vision, instead of asking, oh, my gosh, how in the world do we get there, we begin to ask, how, do we, how did we get here? We live in that moment. We live in the vision that God has for us as a couple and the energy of that rather than, oh, my goodness, how do we get there to how did we get here? God, God, unbound, right? He sees time completely different than us. So when he whispered promises to us in the past, he already saw them in their full fulfillment. When he brought us together as a married couple, he held a vision for us as a couple, so when we invite him, God, what is it that you desire? And we test our vision under God's authority and we land on what that looks like. Then we just simply say, well, what took place that that happened? And then what we find is it's like, well, you know what? We had date night. So rather than date night being a drudgery or something on a checklist that we have to do, it's something that fuels our ultimate vision. So I love what I love what Julie unpacked there, Marnie, um, because what she what she just talked to us about is how to live this out on a higher level. You know, where we come together with a common vision, um, we dream about that together. We use the theater of our mind, our God given gift of imagination, uh, to go there, and then um, um, figure out a pathway of what's what 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 do we need to do right now in order to achieve that but let me just echo a couple of points but really kind of draw it down to a real real practical everyday practice um, and it comes back to something that that we alluded to a little bit earlier as well um, and that is when when we because here's the deal look problems exist okay we're, we're, we're not at all trying to say that your problems are just going to go away by living purpose-focused. They're there. Um, but the difference in living purpose-focused versus problem-focused is um, if we spend all of our time thinking about how do we solve the problem, it feels like a noble cause. But again, remember what the thought leaders over time have said. 
you know what what we think about we bring about we gravitate towards what we contemplate you know um if we spend all of our time thinking about our problems or trying to solve the problems even though we feel like we're trying to solve the problems or find resolution or resolve the subject matter still is problem and so inevitably what we do unwittingly is we bring about more of the same here's the key Here's the ticket on a day-to-day. Anytime Julie and I come across a crossroads um, where we've got an issue or a problem presents itself, instead of trying to solve the problem, what, what God's really helped us to do that has been revolutionary in our marriage and in our life is to stop and ask this question. What is the desired result? What is the desired result? Instead of solving the problem, you know, we've got a problem in our finances. We've got this issue in our finances. There's, you know, too much month and not enough money, right? We've all experienced that at one point or another. Um, do we solve the problem or do we ask the question, what is the desired result? And here's what's happened for us as we've done that. We found that we give a lot higher quality answers when we are moving towards what we want. When we can identify the desired result, then we begin to build towards that desired result, which is a whole lot better than solving problems. Here's the other problem with problem-focused thinking. There's always another problem to solve. <laughs> so we can do one or two things. We can spend our life solving problems, or we can spend our life moving towards a desired result and put all of our energy and all of our focus towards um, – um, achieving and acquiring that desired result. And I think that's a whole lot more of the way God wants us to live. We found it to be a whole lot more joyful. <laughs> hmm, absolutely. Julie, go back and talk just a few more moments about you had a question that you had asked. Instead of um, how do we get there, you asked how did we get here? And at what point is that a useful question? How do you use that question? Hmm. You know, I think that the moment that we take the time to our marriages, right, when we come back and we say, God, you put us together for a reason, show us the purpose for our unity, show us the purpose for uh, our marriage, and we invite that higher level. Um, what happens, Marty, is is when we land on that, and we actually spend probably about seven chapters of the two are better than one, God has a purpose for your marriage, outlining specifically, taking couples through uh, the things that we're talking. Uh, so there's a lot of hands-on resources. There's lots of quizzes. There's uh, an entire process of getting into that place where we land on a singular vision that God has for us. And when we've tested that vision with his word, when we've tested that vision with his character, when it resonates with both of us, uh, it doesn't matter the circumstances. Again, coming back to the life of David and, and when he stood before Goliath, Goliath was big, mean, and ugly. But what David realized is Israel was meant to rule, not to be ruled. And in that authority, in that vision, he had the power and the creativity to pick up five little pebbles, right, of stones, and he flung them in the air, and he didn't go against the giant in his name. He didn't go against him in his strength. He went against him in the power and the authority of God. And together in marriage, when we have a clear vision, when we re- realize that we were meant to rule, not to be ruled, right? When, when God desires for us to live in a place of celebration, not competition, when we, we are parents who are creating kids uh, to be successful and love him, and when we take all of those different aspects of our life submit them under the authority of Jesus Christ and invite that again, God's any clarity that he needs to add to that vision, then we're ready to say, okay, God, how did we get here? And as we get in that place, we feel it, we see it, we, we recognize some of the obstacles that we overcame along the way. And what it really does, Marnie, is it gives us the wisdom to know what to say yes to and what we need to begin to say no to what we need to manage for, and what we need to manage against. And it also gives us the wisdom that sometimes we're just in a season of life. And that season may be really, really difficult. 
That season could be a sickness. That season could be financial difficulty. That season could be a wayward kid. But if we remember the end result, we have the authority and the power of, of God to come against it, not in trying to, you know, self-will or just trying to believe positive, but we can see the end result of what God desires. And then we live from a higher place. We live above the giant versus underneath the giant. Hmm. Well, in your analogy with David and Goliath, I love that analogy because, you know, you go back and you say, how did David get there? And he says right then, you know, God allowed me to kill the bear and God allowed me to kill a lion and my dad sent me over here and that's why I'm here. (laughs) You know, so it's like, you know, he just looks back at his history and says, yeah, I'm prepared. I'm actually prepared to to tackle this giant right now. Uh, That's great. Well, let's talk next about um, the limitless power of God. And, And I think this is where, this is where I just come back to all the time is that God is fighting for your marriage. You know, anybody who is married listening to my voice, God is fighting for your marriage. And no matter what else is coming against you, God is fighting for your marriage. And boy, I tell you what, you guys, I I go back to that place a lot, especially if I'm feeling insecure in any way or like frustrated, I don't know what to do, or maybe even, you know, sometimes I call it tides in or tides out, you know. And uh, maybe ties out and it's feeling pretty lonely here and uh, whatever. And I just keep reminding myself, you know, God is fighting for my marriage. Um, maybe, Greg, address how to invite the limitless power of God into our marriages. Well, I think one of the first ways is to fight with him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Um, I don't know. There's been there's been so many seasons um particularly in the early days of our marriage when when things were really tough and and um you know we were we were just trying to figure out how to even be married Marnie we didn't mm-hmm. know i mean uh we both came from uh divorced families um we'd not seen a great example to follow of what a a really great marriage looks like and um we've had to learn i think over the years um some of the basics of what it means to fight with God because you're right he sure is fighting for our marriage um and you know the bible tells us that that if he's for us who can be against us right and i think i think if we're honest i think if we're honest as christians especially those of us who have been raised in the church you know we hear those scriptures we read those scriptures we quote those scriptures but I'm just going to speak for myself and tell you that that there's times when I when I have done that, but I didn't really appreciate the value of what those words say. You know that if God is for us, who can be against us? Man, that's powerful when you really let it set on you for a second. <laughs> when we live as though we really believe that, we live differently any given day. When we when we quote scriptures like he uses all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you're his kid, if you're his child, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then that scripture applies to you. It applies to me. And when I live like I believe that that's true, in other words, when I'm in a circumstance that doesn't make any sense to me, when I think I should be blessed um, and, and, and it feels like I'm being cursed, then instead of questioning God, why is this happening, the question is, Lord, what are you trying to teach us right now? Truly, what is it that you're trying to teach us? See, these are some real simple practical ways that I think that at least for me, I get busy and sidetracked and I forget this is how we fight with God. And I think that the other thing, too, that dovetails with that um, – is 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 again practicing some of the basic disciplines of fighting with God. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday morning, in fact, and um, he was telling me how he was in a, a, a mental battle, and he just had a sense that there was some things that were amiss. He really couldn't put his finger on really what it was, and and I could relate to what he was saying. Sometimes I can put my finger on it, and sometimes I can't. But I reminded him that God is for us, that he really is for us. And I reminded him that we have to um, 
fight with God by getting control of our thoughts and pondering on the good things that Paul reminded us to, to think on these things, what's good, what's noble, right? All these different things. There's a reason why he wrote that because we're tempted to think about the other things, but there's no life in the other things. When we get control of our thoughts and we focus on where God's taking us, what he wants from us, um, the good things in life, when we take on an attitude of gratitude, it really makes all of the difference, and it helps us to partner with God and to begin to fight with him. Jules, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, A.W. Tozer wrote, the reason why so many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. Mm. And for me, Marnie, where it really, I was able to invite the limitless power of God was early on in our relationship, in our marriage. And I brought a whole lot of baggage in. Greg's very gracious in saying that uh, the families that we were raised in certainly influenced how we were acting towards one another. And I brought a lot of junk. I came from a family where physical, emotional, and sexual abuse were present. So I was riddled with jealousy. I was riddled with insecurity. I remember I constantly felt like I needed to be Greg's Holy Spirit. And in in one instance, God brought me to my face on the floor. And uh, I remember crying out and telling God all the ways that he needed to change Greg. And God took me to a place where he reminded me of where he showed his unconditional love. And in that place, I remember saying, God, I'm powerless to this. I feel so afraid. And God said, let me change in Greg the things that need to be changed, but let me change in you the things that need to be changed. And what he called me to was to entrust Greg to him. And what he called me to was whether Greg ever gave me anything that I thought that I needed, right? I was to serve him. I was to love him as Christ had served and loved me. Uh, Philippians 2 says, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Who, though he existed in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant and he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. And so when I think about A.W. Tozer's statement that why are we still suffering? Why are we still, for me, it's because I'm still relying on my strength, and so I, when, when I get to that point where I'm either fearful or frustrated or overwhelmed or wondering how are we going to, and I start having all those questions, I remember to remember who God is and remember what he's promised. I remember to relinquish my rights and to do the right thing regardless of another person's actions. And in that, what I do is I invite the limitless power of God to defend me, I invite the limitless power of God to change me and to change the way that I'm thinking. And, again, it, what it does is it positions me to remember, ultimately, I'm not here um, to be served. I'm here to serve. I'm here to demonstrate the love of God. I'm here to bring the, him pleasure. Um, I'm here to make him known. And the limitless power of God begins to change me and change my attitude. And that means regardless of whether my outcome or my circumstances change or not the posture of my heart brings me joy the posture of my heart brings me strength Mm, beautiful this is marty threadberg we're visiting today with greg and julie gorman of marriedforapurpose.com don't go away we're going to come right back and talk about how to find significance and fulfillment in your marriage even if right now you can't imagine that possible we'll be right back leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. 
Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you're joining us this afternoon on Marnie's Friends for a show about love in action, Married for a Purpose. And we're here with Greg and Julie Gorman, who are from the website MarriedForAPurpose.com. You guys, uh, loving what you've been sharing with us this hour. And if you guys are just joining us, be sure to go back and listen to the, the show from the top in the archives. But right now, we want to talk about significance and fulfillment in marriage. And I just have to tell you that I think that our um, younger younger generation is really struggling with this a lot where um, there's a lot of focus on the wedding and the big, mm. you know, it's all about the wedding. And then they get into the marriage and it's just like work. <laughs> <laughs> They're just shocked at, at the, the day in and day, day outness of the relationship. Uh, you know, so how, you know, to someone who's just been really disillusioned and now they're just, you know, it's like, wow, this isn't nearly as fun as being the center of attention and all that. You know, where do you find the significance of fulfillment in a marriage? Oh, that's such a great question. You know, one of the things that we share frequently is that there, just as there's no such thing as a Christian without a calling, there's no such thing as a marriage without a ministry. And that that calling or that purpose is going to be as unique and creative as God is. So it may never be to stand up on a formal pulpit, right? It may not be to write books or stand from stage. But the truth is, is if we take our passions under God's authority, that that truly does serve as a compass for us to step into the ministry that God has for us. And one of the ways that we saw this demonstrated a few years ago, uh, we had the privilege of leading a, a group at a small group. And in that small group, it multiplied into a lot of other small groups. We had people who were kayaking, Marmy. We had people who were reading books and doing Bible studies. We had people who liked to knit. We had people who liked to um, go deep into the word, right? So what was really awesome about that is as all of these individuals were embracing their uh, passions and submitting them under God's authority, we had groups where people were going out kayaking and they were going uh, climbing and they were going out biking and canoeing and all of that, and people were getting saved through that time and relationship and fellowship. And then we had other groups that were cooking together, and they would invite and they would take meals and different things to people who were sick or people who had just had babies and or if it was a funeral. And there was ministry that took place through that. And so one of the things that we encourage couples to do is to really discover what they share in common, those passions that they share in common, and then to begin to ask God, how can we use this? To live a life of significance, how can we use this to glorify you and uh, bring fruit to the kingdom of God for you? Okay, so I'm just going to, you know, just throw this right out here. What about the couples that are like, oh, we really don't have much in common? Mm. Well, I would I would ask them to test that. Um, you know, let me let me share this with you. We we recently did a study. Uh, with one of our books with several couples and um, a small group at home, you know. And uh, we had a really diverse group, and that was by design. We had one couple that had been married about a year. Um, we had couples that had been married 40 years. We had couples that were in ministry. Uh, we had doctors, uh, you know, one who was a doctor and the other one who led a large sales organization, you know. So just a lot, a lot of diversity in, in all ways in this particular group. And, and one of the things that this group cited as being one of their favorite parts of, of, uh, of our study um, was the Common Interest Survey. And what, what, what we instruct the folks to do in, in the book is to simply take a Common Interest Survey and they do it um, individually, they do it separate of one another, <clears throat> and then they come together and they compare the things that they that they cited were interest individually, and unanimously, folks were surprised at how many things that they had in common. Now I say unanimously, the, the couple had just been married a year; they were still in the honeymoon phase, so they were pretty sure they had everything in common. Um, <laughs> right. But we had a uh, 
we had a couple that were in ministry. He's a pastor of a church, and, and um, they've been married for over 40 years, been in ministry for most of that. And uh, uh, they said, gosh, we had forgotten how much we actually have in common. We're so used to saying, oh, we don't have so much in common. You know, uh, he likes to be outdoors and to fish and hunt, you know, and all that good stuff. And she likes to, you know, do shopping and I don't know, whatever else it was that she liked to do. Um, But when they really, really looked for the common things uh, that they had, they found common things. Remember, we find what we're looking for. We really do find what we're looking for. I promise you the last time. 